Hey, everybody. I'm Jen Garrett, and I've used my Move the Ball system to help thousands of people to think and execute like a pro athlete when it comes to business and branding. Now, I'm on a mission to help you utilize the same tools and strategies to elevate your hustle and get you across the goal line. So get ready. It's time to suit up, to show up, and to move the ball. Hey, everyone. Jen Garrett here. It's great to be back with you for another episode of Move the Ball. If this is your first time listening, welcome. And if you've been a part of the Move the Ball movement for quite some time, welcome back. I'm glad that you are here with us today. As you all know, this podcast is all about business, branding, sports, and of course, how to move the ball. And I have a few things to mention before we get into today's episode, which if you've listened to the show before, this should not be a surprise. So first, if you are not already a subscriber, make sure that you hit that subscribe button on whatever podcast platform you're listening to the show on so that you are always in the know when new episodes drop. And second, if you find this podcast to be of value, please share it with someone else too. I'm always looking to grow and reach more people. So you telling a friend or two or three is helpful for me to move the ball. All right. So today I've got an amazing guest here with us, someone who is a dear friend of mine who was on the show last season and who I'm excited to have back on the show for today's episode. Inside the huddle with us and ready to share his thoughts and his insights is Lifford Hobbling. Lifford is a retired American football safety who played college football at Louisiana State University at LSU. Lifford was drafted in the third round of the 1985 NFL draft as the 74th overall pick by the Pittsburgh Steelers, and he played seven seasons in the NFL for the St. Louis Cardinals and the Miami Dolphins. Lifford is currently the president of the NFL Alumni Association Dallas chapter, and he is also a board member for the Women's National Football Conference, the WNFC, which we will talk about both of those things in today's show. Lifford, welcome to the show. Thank you, Jen. Thanks for having me. I uh, enjoyed it last time I was on, and uh, I'm looking forward to enjoying it again. Let's get started. How are you? I am good. Well, we always have good conversations, whether it's on the phone, whether we're recording a podcast, or whether we're hanging out in person. Well, then it's always fantastic times. That's for sure. That's for sure. Just Saturday, we're talking and we're talking a little college football and I had to school you a little bit, but uh, that happens. Yes, yes, yes. (laughs) So where I want to kick off our conversation today, and I would encourage people to go back and listen to our episode from last season. Lifford was one of my first guests on the show. So you'll have to check back. It was a great episode. So where I want to do our conversation today or start off our conversation today is let's just talk briefly about your NFL career. So you spent seven years in the NFL. Talk to us about what was it about you, Lifford, that made you an elite athlete that allowed you to excel while playing at LSU and then gave you some longevity in the National Football League? Well, I'll tell you, start was basically, actually, I played eight years in the NFL. But one of the years was an injury that I had to overcome to get back to get to that seven, that eight year. So <laughs> starting out, just like we talked last time, it's just uh, where do you see yourself? What do you want? What do you want out of the things that you actually compete for in regards to that? And, you know, basically, growing up as a kid, you, I competed and had in each and every sport. So, you know, not only football, it was every sport that taught me the uh, respect and how to challenge and also how to do things correctly. 
So when you're learning different things, you start to navigate through life a lot easier. So if you're working hard on four or five things and you're starting to get two or three of those things to be really, really doing them really, really well, then of course, things start to get a lot easier for you. Sure. And as you know, I mean, we've talked a lot about how football and just sports in general teaches so many lessons about how to be successful in the game and beyond the game in life. And so what are some of the things that when you think back upon your football career, what are some of the things that you think have really been great lessons that you've learned from the sports that have enabled your success in football and outside of football? Well, actually, you know, I'll go back to my, like you said, childhood. My mom gave me every opportunity to be successful. When she saw my engagement in sports, she backed, you know, have a response to it. She just basically gave me all the rope I needed to work out, everything I needed to work out to get through high school and then, of course, obtain a scholarship. So that latitude gave me a lot of uh, room to work with people that were interested in me, not just my athletic ability. They were interested in me from the coaches to the teachers to my friends and people I grew up around. They were more interested in me. They weren't just interested in me as a football player or a basketball player or a guy that could run fast. It was more uh, people took an interest in my personality and the person I was. And I think those things take you a long way when you start to understand where you're going. When you make that math and you understand where you're going, then, of course, it, until I was 16, I really didn't understand where I was going until that 16th year. And I was already engaged in a lot of things that were going to create success for me, which was sports and then, of course, education, keeping my grades up and also following the guidance of all the teachers and coaches. You know, basically, some of my classmates that were you know, basically you look at their success and you want to sort of repeat the same process. You mentioned having a map, which I think is important, whether you are an athlete looking to go pro and then be successful beyond sports, or you're just an everyday person trying to succeed and navigate through the game of life. I think it's so important to have that map and figure out what your playbook needs to be able to hit those different spots along your career map along the way. And so what advice would you give to people as they're building out their map? What are some of the things they can do to help ensure their success? Well, everyone talks about plans. It's actually what you do in the moment that you have. It's more of a, sometimes a knee-jerk reaction to get you going. But when you do something well, you try to repeat it. And that's the map, basically. It's not, it's not rocket science. You actually feel like you can do a certain thing really well, better than anyone else, you stick to that plan and continue that same route instead of, you know, listening to, you may want to listen to some other people that may be able to help you tweak the things that you're good at and take that advice and see if it works for you. If it doesn't, stay on your path and continue that path. And that's basically how we found that I think better than the thing that I was doing prior to that, which was, you know, basically playing offense of an offensive player pretty much most of my life from running back quarterback receiver, but learning the other opportunities on the other side of the football for me were really engaging and gave me an opportunity to 
expand into other things like defensive back as a cornerback or as a safety. So those things were important to know that I had the ability to do both work on the same side, on both sides of the ball. And of course, get an opportunity to get a scholarship. And those are actually, it was an opportunity and it was a privilege. It wasn't like it was, was guaranteed. It was a privilege and I treated it as such. And all four years of that was pre- treated as, as a privilege, not just that I earned it, but I still treat it as a privilege, just like I treated my job in the NFL. It was a privilege to play in the NFL. It wasn't given that I was going to play because, of course, I got cut a few times. So that's one of those situations where you decide, what do I do? How do I get through this? And how do I focus to continue the path that I created for myself? Or am I doing the right thing? All these things that I worked so hard to get to this level and you get, you know, basically derailed every now and then. But you have to continue on that path. If you feel like that path is the path that you created for yourself to be successful, then you continue on the path. And if that particular sport becomes not a part of that path, you continue on that path because you've created the path for yourself. It's not just about sports. It's about life. And in order to move forward, in life, if you create a path for yourself, continue on the path. And I like that you talk about how you viewed your opportunity to play college football at LSU and the scholarship that you had been afforded as a privilege, right? It wasn't an entitlement. It was a privilege. And when, I, when you have that mindset, you appreciate things more, but you also work harder to continue to have that privilege to do something versus when you're entitled, then you become complacent and you don't look at how you can continue to improve and you lose opportunities because you have this entitlement feeling. And then you play the victim, you become disgruntled and things just don't go the right way versus when you have more of an appreciative and a privilege mindset of things. It, it really changes how you approach each day and each opportunity that you've been given. That's correct. Most people think about being a victim. And I, I think if there's anyone that you basically think they're a victim, they're a victim of their own demise, usually. And it's unfortunate that a lot of people may feel that way. But when you get past that, you can actually continue to create it. And that's sports, but in life. And, you know, that's how success looks to me. It doesn't look like a dollar. It doesn't look like a million dollars. It looks like something that you're happy with and something that happy doing what you're doing regardless of the any revenue being generated if you're pleased with what you're doing then of course your success has already been made absolutely yeah success is not measured by a dollar amount in your bank account but really by your happiness and are you doing the things that you really enjoy and that you find fulfilling that's really what success is about and that definition is different for all of us Right. And it's important for people to know it's not just about chasing a dollar. And I feel so many people are caught up in the dollar signs. That's for sure. And, you know, I actually, as the NFL, I'm my president for uh, DFW. And uh, we're talking about, you mentioned branding. And I've actually had some conversations with a corporate office about rebranding our NFL alumni chapter logo here in Dallas. We won't change the NFL alumni. Below it, I love to have NFL alumni DFW as our new brand and logo for our community here because we are the DFW 
NFL alumni. We're not just Dallas. And it doesn't concern me about just being Dallas. I just want to make sure we cover the entire community and, and that the people in this community know that we're just not Dallas. We are DFW, Dallas, Fort Worth. So tell us a little bit more about the DFW chapter. I know your membership base continues to grow. I know you are one of the more active chapters of the NFL Alumni Association chapters out there. So let people know more about what you guys do. And you recently had a great event, a vaccination event. So tell us about that as well. well I tell you what, it was actually one of those wonderful things that drops in your lap and you have to do something with it. Last weekend, we were able to go in partner with one of my local charities here in Fort Worth, which is I'm proud to be a part of it, proud to be involved over the years with them. And it's the Will of Wellness in Fort Worth, which is run by a good friend, uh, Chuck Nixon, and uh, a lot of others that are involved in the community. And we were able to set up our basically vaccine screening and COVID testing and get people vaccinated on the spot in the middle of the Main Street area of downtown Fort Worth, which was magnificent. We more likely had maybe over 25 to 30 people get vaccinated, including one of our NFL alumni. So that was a positive to have them show up and basically get vaccinated on the spot. And being in a community to have that, that's a plus, just to move a needle and to receive a lot of, of course, compliments on LinkedIn. Great. And also receive a invite from the director of finance from Baylor Scott White asking if we would be interested in going moving all. So it's going to other cities like Austin, Temple, Texas, small towns there. Actually with a low percentage of vaccinated vaccinated residents. So I said yes immediately. We'd love to definitely and that's our objective to go to small cities and create a teaching moment for our residents that are unvaccinated. What you guys are doing with the NFL alumni chapter there in the DFW area is so important to help prevent you know, the spread of COVID. This vaccination event was fantastic. I know other alumni chapters are also looking at doing vaccination events and really trying to do their part to help in their communities to prevent the spread and hopefully get us over this pandemic sometime sooner than later. Certainly. So let's go back and talk about one of the other topics I wanted to bring up during the show, which is what you did once you transitioned out of the NFL. You ended up working in the front office. So talk to us about that journey. And then also, I want to ask you about advice that you would give to people that are looking to get into the sports industry. People reach out to me all the time asking me this. And so, you know, I share my thoughts, but would love to have you share your thoughts as well on that element after you share with us your transition out of the league and into the front office? It was one of those situations where you were looking at yourself throughout your career, the ups and downs, the positives. And I can say between the eight years, the first year, my career was amazingly poor. And then, of course, I basically into my second year of my career, I was able to overcome some obstacles that I created for myself which was not being prepared coming out of college. That was an, I was totally not prepared for the NFL. And it took me a year to get prepared for it. And I basically didn't play a year because I wasn't prepared for it. 
1986, I was home putting installations and ceilings in South Baptist Hospital for a year in New Orleans. So that was a 10 hour, four hour, four, four day a week job, which was basically uh, something I had to do. I didn't work out the entire year. I just basically worked to support my family in, in addition to the funds that I received my first year. So hitting a speed bump got me activated to a point where I never wanted to be in that situation again. So I worked my butt off to get back to Miami to make the team. We went on strike for for about two or three weeks, came back, and we're, we're ready to go. But at the end of my career, I saw, you know, basically myself, injury kind of prone a little bit, one knee surgery, then, of course, a couple other, you know, a knee injury to the other knee, torn MCL. But basically, that thing healed on its own. I've never had a problem of it. But getting injured again in 93, it made me think about what should I do and how should I do it and when should I do it. Even though I got a little push from the Dolphins in regards to what I should do, Coach Shula and I had a couple of conversations. Put me at the end of my last year, 93, I got injured. I was, you know, torn a little bit of my meniscus in my left knee again and played six games that year. That was my last six games of my uh, career. So I had an opportunity to have a lot of conversations with my higher power and myself. So I chose to try at least for about two months. And I did that 1993, 94 spring. I was, I worked out for two months, best shape that I could ever get in. And of course, I was already released from the Dolphins organization. So I decided that football was not another something I wanted to try again. I created a resume for myself throughout my career with the Miami Dolphins and the community. I felt there was a need for someone like myself and others like me to be continuously involved with the organization and the player at the player level. There were positions that were created two years prior to me retiring. I knew about these positions. They're called player program coordinator positions that every team in the NFL had. And there were already a couple of former players in place and a few other employees that were not current players in the NFL, but sports admin professionals. I had an opportunity to interview with Jill Strafasi, the CFO of the Miami Dolphins at the time, and Eddie Jones, the president and of the organization. And I got, uh, I guess I nailed the interview because they hired me on the spot. I had an opportunity to work in the organization as a player program coordinator. And my duties basically was to introduce the rookies and the current players to new opportunities, such as continuing education, opportunities to work with nonprofits in the communities, and to also learn more about how to protect your finances. So those things were part of the duties of a player program coordinator if you created those type of programs within your organization, which we did. Those were daily duties. They weren't part-time. They were full-time. I spent countless hours in the office and not on the field because I never really wanted to coach. I tried it and it was okay. I just 
didn't feel like it was uh, something I wanted to do the rest of my life. Sitting in dark rooms with a bunch of grown men going over and over and over and over something I've actually done for 25 years as a player. There's a lot of guys that love coaching. They, they like it. I enjoy watching them work. But I felt there was a need for me to be doing something else and similar to what I'm doing now with the NFL alumni. So that job carried me into a successful situation and pushed me through a lot of things, which gave me the ability to communicate and collaborate with people that are in positions that can help others. So that's the player program coordinator role, which probably the name has changed to director of player personnel, things like that. But it's a safe job. It keeps you engaged. It also keeps you helping the people that you care about and that actually are doing the same things you did for a living, which is playing professional football. But it also gives you an opportunity to inject those young men and their families and their wives into the community as well. And I think that helps everyone in regards to community awareness and community growth. Absolutely. So the other part of that question was, what advice would you give to people who are looking to either continue to advance their career in sports or who are looking to break into the sports industry? Like, what are some of the things that you would suggest that they do to try to get on the path of having a sports career? Well, as early as you possibly can while you're in college, volunteer. Volunteer at your university, your sports part of the university. Go and meet your sports leaders. Go and meet your, interject and find out who your board leaders are uh, as far as on your campus. Don't just stop at the uh, athletic department. Go higher. Find out what they're doing, how they got their positions. What did they do to earn those positions? What directions did they take to get to that point? And then the sports admin side of things, the best thing is to complete that graduate degree in sports administration. Yes, you have to have that if you want to be a part of that. It was more luck for me because I had neither. I just had the knowledge of it. And it was attractive to the organization to have me as part of their team. So the master's part of it, it's a given. If you want to be successful, you have to get a master's in that field if you want to definitely be involved at the high level as a sports administrator for any level, be it high school, college, professional. You don't have to inject yourself in just one sport. You can be a sport administrator in any sport regardless of what sport you play. I mean, look at our organizations today, the NFL owners, and then, of course, you look at Major League Baseball owners, hockey owners. It's about ownership and it's about leadership. So if you feel the need to be a part of an organization in the sports administration, work on your leadership skills and be prepared for a lot of things to not go your way every time. So it's just getting started. And how you get started is the volunteerism part when you're at that college level. You meet people that are effective and that can introduce you to other people. And then, of course, take on an internship at the professional level. Seek out not just the organization. Maybe you meet someone walking down the street like myself. Introduce yourself. Be prepared to introduce yourself to everyone. 
don't leave any stone unturned. If you want to be a part of an NFL or NBA or work in the professional level of sports administration, never meet a stranger. And that's the important part. The people that you walk by every day could possibly help you get into the positions that you're looking to get into. And you may have to start at the low level, basically, in the, I would probably say, internship role. It may be an unpaid internship role that your parents can support you for at least a summer or two while you take the opportunity to learn more about the roles that the sports administrators play at a high level. Well, I think you bring up a couple of things that I wanted to touch upon. I mean, you mentioned the internships. And so, I mean, obviously for folks that are still in school, they're thinking about internships. But even if you're not in school and you're a working professional, I mean, there are people that have left their job to take an internship. They've gone on, they've taken the risk, right? And they said, you know what, I'm going to go volunteer. I'm going to go give my time to somebody. I'll give you an example outside of sports, Grant Cardone, very, very successful in the real estate. Space, makes a ton of money. He has people come to be interns, to work for him, to learn from him. And they've done very well in their career. And so they've kind of taken that risk and said, you know what? I'm going to go after this. I'm going to do this internship similar to sports. And I'm going to learn. I'm going to grow. I'm going to network. I'm going to build and see where the journey takes me. And so I just wanted to mention that it's not just for younger people. I mean, you can be someone that's out of college that's also thinking about what can I volunteer to do? What internships can I take part in? What projects can I donate my time to contribute to that will help get you in the door to where you're trying to go as well? And you mentioned another thing about thinking about you know who you can connect with, who you can go up to. You never know who you're going to meet that can be that person that is going to open up a door and be a great connection. And so what is it that you're going to say to that person? Always being prepared to have a conversation with a stranger and building that relationship. So you have to know what you're going to say to them as well so that you can have these meaningful conversations to start relationships. That's correct. You always have to have at least three bullets in your pocket. Absolutely. You can have an uh, intelligent conversation and uh, get to know the person. And then, of course, there you go. You actually have your first business card, an opportunity. Absolutely. I was actually in one of Bill Walsh's seminars, The Rainmaker, a couple of weeks ago. And man, it was amazing to just sit and listen to him talk about how success is made and how you make your own success. Nice. So one last topic that I want to talk with you about on the show, Lifford, is the WNFC, the Women's National Football Conference, which for those who have listened to the show before might be familiar with because it's been a topic of conversation on other shows. But uh, you and I both sit on the board of the WNFC, which is an organization filled with fantastic people in the administration, the organization of it, wonderful people that are coaches, amazing and talented women who play the game. Talk to us about your view of the WNFC. And I know you've been a part of it for a number of years now. But So I'd love for you just to kind of share what your impressions have been of the organization and what you're excited about as they continue on into the future and into the 2022 season. What an amazing group of athletes. That's definitely gets, has to be said. I've been watching the women's sports, the women's football sport since 1987 when I first saw my women's first women's football game in Miami. So I got really engaged in coming here I was engaged watching the women's football teams play here and uh, started out with the uh, 
of course, the Dallas team. And then, of course, it grew to this magnificent machine that we have called the WNFC. It's amazing. It's a growing, growing, growing organization in a positive way. These awesome athletes give their all, not only on the field, but off the field in the community. They're smart, they're sharp, they're professionals, they're CEOs, they're vice presidents, they're company owners, they're (laughs) amazing. They're movers and shakers in the U.S. These ladies are amazing. They're just not football players. They're leaders in our country, and they're doing some amazing things in our communities. Nationwide, not just in Dallas, all over the country, we have 20 awesome teams within the U.S. from north to south to east to west. And I enjoy working with them because they're all leaders. They're all basically just grown something magnificent from a baby to an adult. It is an adult organization right now. And there's a lot of young ladies that are interested in playing real football. And we're here to teach. We're also here to welcome and engage and talk about how we can expand the league and also expand the sport, not only at this level, but at the lower level where young ladies, young girls get engaged in learning how to do it the right way, play football the right way in full pads just like the guys and have their own leagues and also be able to actually move up the ladder to the next level where they become professional athletes in a WNFC and the right relationship. And we're working on those relationships, Jim, you know, we are the right relationships. We become that professional team that actually can put 30,000 butts in a seat around the country in each stadium. That's the kind of effort that's been put into this league by the leadership and each and every player, not just the owners, the players put in each, everything they possibly can into this league. They pour their heart and soul into it. They're actually working full-time jobs and they're making this work where it actually runs itself financially and it's looking wonderful and it's continued to grow we're getting more relationship with universities we have more relationships at the younger level at the of course youth level because young ladies are starting to see this and they're going i can do that i want to be able to do that they should be able to do it at the level that the young men get to do it as well so i'm behind this organization a thousand percent and i'm behind their objective when people start talking and saying or putting titles to it like nine and this or that, I don't see it as a level playing field. I see it as, oh, it's a girl. Yeah, she is a girl. Guess what? She can do all of the things that the young men can do as well. So that's why I'm part of this organization. I think it stands for a lot. That equal opportunity, it's about athletics. It's not about, hey, we're over here. You want us to do this, but you only let us do this. That's not what it's about. It's just about we want our own opportunities. And when I say we, I mean the WNFC and every young lady, including my daughters, 
and granddaughters and great-granddaughters to come. They want the same opportunity that the guy like me got when he was growing up as a kid. Nothing wrong with that. And I love the fact that this has grown to a level of amazing professionalism. That's an incredible organization when you look at just uh, the growth. So for those that aren't familiar, this is the second full season of the WNFC. Third year, but last year because of COVID, they had to cancel the season. And so we had our second season ended uh, with the championship game in Dallas in July. A fantastic turnout, uh, great support from NFL players as well. When you look at the impact that this organization is making for women athletes, it's just incredible. It's not just about the uh, so Lifford, you mentioned I mean, everyone in the organization, they have a full time job. They're doing something else and they're making this organization work and doing great things, not only on the field, but they're doing so much in the communities. They're doing so much to make a difference at the the younger levels, as you mentioned, and it's really about making that larger impact. And that's how you really move the ball. And the WNFC is doing just that. So I would highly encourage people that if you haven't heard of them or don't know anything about them, go check out their website, WNFCfootball.com. It'll be in the show notes. Check out the teams, check out all the great things that they're doing. See if there's a team in your area and get involved and go support them during the season, partner with them for stuff they're doing in the off season. It's an incredible organization. And so I would highly encourage anyone that is interested in learning more to go check them out. So Lifford, what I want to do now to close the show is I want to take you through my two-minute drill. It is a different two-minute drill than last season and ask you some fun questions. Are you ready? Yeah, we're in the green zone. Let's do it. (laughs) All right. First question is, when you were 10 years old, what did you want to be when you grew up? I wanted to be Vita Blue, but I was right-handed. I wanted to be a pitcher in the Major League Baseball because he was my childhood hero. Love it. My next question is, who would play you in a movie about your life? How about Will Smith? That's a great choice. Good actor. Yes. Next question is, what is your favorite vacation spot? It's been, for many, many years, Destin, Florida. That's a great place. That area or Panama Beach, one of those two spots has been our destination for many, many years. My next question is, what is your favorite ice cream flavor? Oh, butter pecan. That is a great choice. How about what is a pet peeve of yours? I really don't have many. I don't let people annoy me or things annoy me. I'm a person that can actually shed out the noise because that was my focus as an athlete, shedding out the noise. And if you can do that, you can overcome a lot of obstacles. All right. Next question is, what book are you currently reading or what podcast are you currently listening to? I haven't been listening to any podcasts other than yours. Actually, I take that back. I've actually followed a couple of people, but not the full podcast because they usually pop up on me in the middle of my work day. <laughs> so <laughs> I catch about two minutes and I go back to work. Jeff Curley is a good friend of mine. I try and follow him a, a little bit here in the Dallas area. He has a news podcast and has some very interesting, intriguing guests at certain stages. And my last question is, you are hosting a dinner party and you can invite three famous people, living or deceased. Who would you choose and why? It's a big room and Barack Obama would be at the top of my list. Denzel Washington. My third would be Oprah Winfrey. 
That's a great choice as well. And a female. Most people do not choose females in their threes. So I am so glad you mentioned her. She's got a fantastic story. She obviously has built an incredible brand and knows how to move the ball. So awesome choice. So, Lippert, as we look to close the show, any last thoughts for our listeners? Yeah, thank you for having me on. I definitely want to make sure that if we are still, and I'm sure we will be, moving the ball. Let's move the ball on the pandemic. Let's move the ball on vaccination. Let's move the ball on health care professional advice and continue to collaborate with your health care professionals in your community. Anywhere you can get an opportunity to speak with someone and get the advice from a professional in regards to how you should proceed in regards to the vaccination, do it soon. Do it soon. Don't don't waste your time. Don't stop and have a discussion with someone that's not a medical professional. Don't sit and listen to radio broadcasters that have no clue of what they're talking about. They do their research online just like we do. We're reading things that we're not sure about. So go see a healthcare professional. It's a better opportunity for you. It'll save your life. Great advice. And Lifford, thank you so much for being on the show again today. It's been a pleasure chatting with you. Thank you, Jen. Well, thank you for bringing me on. And I was glad it was this moment because I think we can actually move the ball. There you go. Well, thank you to everyone for listening to today's episode and we will catch you next time. Until then, make sure that you suit up, you show up and you move the ball. Thank you for listening to Move the Ball. To see more about what I'm up to and how I can help you to move the ball, check out my website at www.getinsidethehuddle.com. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast so that you never miss an episode. And also join the Move the Ball Facebook group for even more content and to be a part of the Move the Ball movement.